Blog Talk Radio. Right into this world, all alone. Just take your soul, you're on your own. A crow fl- Welcome to Weigh In Sports Talk. Today is Sunday, June 22nd. Before we get started, here are a few reminders. We would love to hear from you, and here are several ways to weigh in. Call us at 646-716-5564 or join us in the chat room by listening online at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Tarvino or follow us on Twitter at Sports. Now here's your host, Brian Tarvin, and co-host Trey Patterson. Let's weigh in. Thank you, Michelle, for the introduction, and welcome to Weigh In Sports Talk. Welcome, everyone. It's Sunday night. It's been a long week. It's been a hot week, but... College football is right around the corner. A lot to discuss tonight in college football. Touch a little bit on the pros. The NBA draft, believe it or not, is coming up this Thursday. We have some free agent talks we're going to do. We have a guest coming on. He's a senior at Ole Miss. His name is Ethan Booker. He's going to really tell us what happened in Omaha this past week where Colonel Reb got kicked out of Omaha. We're going to be all over that and get get his feelings, get his opinion on it. I, I don't think a lot of people understand what happened. So we're we're, we're going to fight for Ole Miss tonight. We're going to fight the SEC. It's going to stand up together and, and fight for Colonel Reb. So, again, the call-in number tonight, let me go ahead and give you this, and I'll give it periodically throughout the show. It's 646-716-5564. 646-716-5564. Ethan will be with us at 9.15 Eastern Time, so in about 45 minutes. We'll have him on. In the meantime, we should have several co-hosts tonight calling in, different callers, uh, to talk about what's going on in the sports world. And if you're a World Cup fan out there, uh, the United States and Portugal tied it to it's over with. But good news is the United States did not lose. They're still undefeated in the in their little region here in their bracket. But, you know, a lot of people got on me this week on Facebook about, you know, not liking soccer and, and not talking about soccer. So, hey, guess what? I just started the show talking about soccer. And if you'd like to call in and give us – I mean, do you think soccer is really a major sport? Because I don't. I just don't see soccer. When I think of major sports, I, I just I just don't play soccer, don't watch soccer. I just don't see the point of it. But I'm not disrespecting anyone that that loves the game of soccer. But let's let's be honest with you. If 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 you can't win in, a, in regulation, if there's no winner, then how do you call it a sport? That's what aggravates me. Anytime you play that hard, you give that much effort on a field, and you walk away with a tie. That's just defeats the purpose of playing the game. I remember college football being like that before where they would end in a tie, and it it was terrible. The NFL, at least they extended their overtime out. So there's not as many ties there. But soccer out there, come on. I mean, you have to be very desperate to watch sports if you're out there fired up about the World Cup. And don't call me unpatriotic because I love the country I'm in, but come on, soccer – if Iran can play it, it's not a sport. Come on. Let's let's just get real here on Way in Sports Talk. 
if Iran and Iraq and all these other teams play this game, it's probably not a sport. To me, you have football, baseball, basketball. Those are sports. Hockey, you have a lot of hockey lovers. I mean, you can get killed in a hockey game, and, and these guys play hard. So that's a sport. NASCAR, you know, there's a winner. That's a sport. Golf, of course, but soccer. Come on, I've had too many people trying to convince me why soccer was so great. But, you know, I've, I've watched a little bit of it. I'm not buying it, guys. I'm sorry. I just I just can't buy it with you. So if you'd like to call in, weigh in, 646-716-5564. Tonight, you know, one thing that's been on my mind in, in college football is this new committee coming up in college football. And we're sitting here in June 2014. The BCS has, has been removed. It's gone. But, yeah, we have this committee that is made up of, of commissioners from other conferences people with allegiances, allegiances to schools, and yet we do not know in college football the criteria. What What is it going to take? What are these guys looking at? And, and common sense tells you, okay, they're going to look at the, the strength of schedule. That that should be looked at no matter what. That, that's a number one given. But, again, what is the weight they're putting on your strength of schedule? The SEC plays eight conference games. Is that going to be weighed in? Are they trying to knock the SEC down because they only play eight games? What about the Big 12? When you say conference champion in, in the Big 12, they do not play a conference championship. I mean, what are you looking at here? What worries me about this committee is still to this day, nobody knows what they're going to look at and how they're going to weigh it. To me, it just seems like that, that they're looking at the, the conference champions really that's the main so if, if you're a conference champion and you you probably have zero or one losses possibly then you're going to the final four playoff it's what it what it seems like to me and it's a bad scenario we can get into we i mean it's supposed to be the best four teams in college football playing and the more i read about it the more i think about it this committee was formed because lsu and alabama played in the national championship one year and the BCS, all it cared about was getting the two best teams into the final championship game. Everything else, it didn't matter. Number one and number two would face off against each other in the last game of the year. And you know what? Most, More times than not, it worked out that way. You didn't see at the end of the season too many controversies, except maybe once or twice, of, of who was in that game. But now, are you trying to get the four best teams to play in a playoff are you trying to get four conference champions, four BCS champions in a playoff? That concerns me. And I don't care what you say, the, this committee is, is going to be corrupt. They're going to be able to be persuaded into uh, to picking, to be politically correct. I remember somebody telling me this week, this country is politically correct as it tries to be that uh, now all of a sudden they're going to be politically correct in this. So, okay, what, what a scenario. What if you have – I'm going to give a scenario out there to everybody I just thought about. You have an undefeated Alabama, undefeated Auburn, playing in the Iron Bowl at the end of the season, probably number one and two or one and three, two and three, something like that. Say Auburn loses to Alabama by a field goal in Tuscaloosa and Alabama beat South Carolina in the SEC championship game. You have a team in Auburn that lost one game, and it was on the road to the number one team in America, yet you have a Baylor team that's one loss in the Big 12. Just say Baylor won the Big 12 with one loss. 
to me, I feel the committee is going to take a Baylor because they won their conference over a one-loss Auburn team. And you can you can take Auburn out of it. You can put South Carolina in there, a one-loss team. You can put Mississippi State. I don't care the team, but, but what I'm trying to, to let everybody know is anytime you have people picking, that, I mean, it's just, it just doesn't make sense why this committee was formed. I mean, I don't care what people say, how much you can trust these people or, or why they're upstanding citizens. I could care less. Everybody is biased when it comes to this. One thing I can say about computers, they're not biased. The polls usually get it right for the most part, especially towards the end of the year. I mean, come on. We have a computer formula. We have a, a poll formula. They all mix together to find one and two. Last year, when it was all said and done, Florida State and Auburn were one and two. Did anybody out there really disagree with that? I don't think so. Even the year Alabama LSU played, one and two was right. I'm sorry, Oklahoma State. You lost to Iowa State, and I know it was a tragedy. Your your women's team plane crashed, and you were upset. But But come on. I mean, the thing is, you lost to Iowa State. LSU beat Alabama and Tuscaloosa. Alabama's only loss was the number one in overtime by a field goal. And your Oklahoma State out there wanting to play for a championship. Come on. Well, we got a call from the 541. I believe this is Oregon. You're away in sports. Hey, hey Brian, I'm just like with you on this whole playoff system. I want the BCS back. I'm already missing it. Because if you look at every year, and Phil Steele has an article about um, how um, a playoff really works. And, but every year, the BCS has got a right. Even when it was LSU versus Alabama, I've, I felt like they got a right. But this whole playoff team, I'm with you. Most years, it should be two, year, uh, two SEC teams. If it's full conference teams, let's see the package up, SEC, big chop, and ACC. Those are not necessarily the full best teams, if you get what I'm saying. I do. I do, Jason. And, and you know Baylor last year. What did they win? the? I think Baylor won the Big 12, I believe, yeah. or Oklahoma. But the bottom line is they were in the Fiesta Bowl playing Central Florida. How did that work out for them? If, if, if I'm going to ask you a question, Jason. Yeah. Going into last year, who were the who were the four best teams in football going into the bowl games? Going into the bowl games. Going into Florida it when State, the BCS Florida announced. State, Auburn. Um, let's see. It's, I think Stanford was. I think, and I would have thrown either Ohio State or Michigan State. You know. It's going off my head. I don't got the final pause from last year, but that's what it would look like. I think. I think I'm well, missing Jason, out of Bama too. Well, Jason. Well, Jason, what if what if you have a scenario? You're a big Oregon Ducks fan. You're out there in the Pac-12. Say you you lost a heartbreaker to to UCLA by a field goal. That was your only loss. And and you are a very very good team. Just say you lost that one game. You have somebody like, like I said, Baylor win the Big Twelve with one loss. Do you think the committee is going to look at Oregon and say, hey, they lost one. They are the best team, even though Baylor won their conference. 
I'm going to put Oregon in the in the playoff over Baylor. Do you think that would happen? Uh, I think I think uh, as as Pass would say, I think the committee would go with Baylor. And Oregon has got, I think, used the quite screwed. And back in '01, we had a close loss to Stanford at home. And we got um, leapfrogged by Nebraska, who got blown out against Colorado. And then they didn't make the big 12. But I think they would have picked Bailey. Yeah, and then that, that's what all I want, Jason, is a system. And, look, I like the four teams compared to two. I really do. All you had to do was take the BCS Final Four going into the bowls and add one game. So one versus four, two yeah. versus three, Jason. We don't need some special committee that, honestly, I don't think – I look at the names. I'm not saying – I don't believe Barry Alvarez watches all the SEC games. I don't believe Barry Alvarez watches all the, all the Pac-12 games. But I believe these pollsters, the AP polls do. I believe the computers have enough information and data – to make a, a rational decision about a team. The eye test is very important. That's where the polls come in. I just do yeah. not believe that this committee is going to have the interest in mind of picking the best four teams in America to play in a playoff game. I just think it's too politically yeah, correct. Sure. And I know I think we'll see that in January or December whenever the playoff is decided. It's not going to be the best four teams. And one, I'm I'm with you. The BCS should have picked the final four. Bottom line, take the human element out of it. That's that's what I'd like to see. But well, we'll see. We got what twelve years of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guarantee you, in the next couple of years, people are going to be crying and begging for the BCS to come back. And you know, Jason, I just hope that we can have the BCS even on the side, showing the computers, showing what the rankings would be compared to the committees. And thanks again, Jason, for the call. Jason talked about Phil Still Magazine. I got the Phil Still Magazine this week. And let me tell you, it's $12.99. So get ready to uh, spend some money on this magazine. And, and you know, I got Phil Still, Sporting News, Athlon, and Lindy's. And, Phil still is packed with a lot more information. The price on the other magazine, seven ninety-nine. Phil still, it looks like to me, he just copied over last year's data almost and just wrote a couple of sentences. But this is his 20th edition. Phil Still's magazine, he says he's accurate. He says, you know, he's the best in the, in the land. We're going to see how he does. Last year he had, um, who was it? He had Florida up in the top five and, and he said Southern Cal was going to win the championship. So if I was him at that time, I would have probably discontinued my magazine, Jason. But, uh, Jason, one last question for you real quick before you go. What do you think of Phil Steele's magazine? I mean, I'm just not that impressed. It's, it's, I, I like it based on it being information. And when I, um, I'm a big information guy. Um, I don't really get it with the other magazines, but um, – this he's he's a good magazine. Um, I saw his top twenty-five. He has UCLA at number three, but that's that's. I don't know. <laughs> he's, he's a good guy, I guess. He knows his stuff. So. 
Well, he had he had Southern Cal ranked number one last year, didn't he? He had a Southern Cal as a top ten. I don't think it was number one. Um, I can't find him. Okay. All right. Well, question. You you said last year did did your magazine cost twelve ninety nine like mine did? Mine did, or was it cheaper? No, last year it was ten bucks. I think. Uh, yeah, this year this year is twelve ninety nine. Well, thanks, Jason, for the call. Phil Steele um, came out with his rankings. Number one, Florida State, of course. I mean, you look at their schedule this year. Um, they're favored probably double digits in all of the games. So they're number one. And questionable, Alabama, number two. Um, number two, Alabama. That just, to me, you have a Coke – Coker is a quarterback. He never really started. He was a backup at Florida State, uh, a team that lost a lot on defense, in my opinion. They lost him on the offensive line. They lost a quarterback in A.J. McCarron. That I think people called him a game manager. But, man, he, you see some of the throws he made this year, and you realize how good of a quarterback he is. Coker could possibly come in and, and play well enough to lead this Alabama team. But I wouldn't put him at number two. I would probably put Alabama down at number six honestly, where Auburn is in his rankings just because of the, the quarterback. Number three, like Jason said, UCLA, four Oregon Ducks. I would flip-flop those. I would have Oregon higher than UCLA. Um, the Ducks are going to be phenomenal this year, and I, I think they're going to be a playoff. They're, they're one team I feel confident they're going to make that final four this year. Number five, Oklahoma, a team that, that didn't look good last year until close to the end. They did knock off Oklahoma State. They beat Alabama, but I've never seen a team get so much love from beating Alabama. You know, I thought Auburn would get a little love, but they didn't. Oklahoma, number five, still still said Auburn was easily one of the best teams in the country, but their schedule, he puts them down at number six. That is a brutal schedule. He ranked them the number five schedule in the country. Ohio State, seven. I think that's a little too low for this team. Braxton Miller, a senior, looking at their schedule, Ohio State should be higher, in my opinion. And here's where we we really differ at number eight. He has the Georgia Bulldogs at number eight. I I look at Georgia, and I'm like, wow, you lost your whole entire secondary, really. You lost Aaron Murray, your quarterback. You still bring back running back Gurley Marshall. You have some of your weapons on the outside back, but – is that good enough for the number eight ranking? You look at that Georgia schedule, it's tough at first. They host Clemson. They go to South Carolina after a bye week. Um, and then they host Auburn at the end of the year. I just don't think this team is mentally sound enough to, to win an SEC title. And win the East, maybe, just maybe. But I don't think they're going to Columbia and pulling off one in South Carolina Florida's going to be better this year. Missouri, you can't sleep on them. You have Auburn at the end of the year. If Georgia wins the SEC, I would be surprised. But he has them a sleeper to win the national championship. At number nine, Baylor, uh, the offense they have in the conference they play in is perfect. At number nine, watch out for Baylor. They can get a defense to go with that offense. They'll be good. But one thing I don't like about Baylor is they're in the state of Texas, really, and and you have Texas A&M stealing a lot of recruits out of there, and it's going to be hard. I mean, but the Big 12, to me, is is not that strong. I'll be honest with you. I see Baylor winning this conference probably 
Oklahoma is going to drop a couple of games, whether Baylor does or not is the question. Number 10, South Carolina. I'm not, I'm not going through all of these, but I will note some. I wanted to give you the top 10. South Carolina at number 10. They've had three straight 11-win seasons. He's even given Southern Cal some love at 11. I think that's a little too high right now, looking at their schedule. Stanford at 12, Ole Miss 13, LSU 14. And I just don't understand how he has Texas number 16, guys. How in the world is Texas ranked in somebody's top 25? They they can't recruit worth a crap. New coaching staff coming in. I don't see how they're ranked in the top 25. Hell, he even has Florida at number 19. I mean, coming off a four and eight season, new coordinator coming in. I mean, it can't get any worse than four and eight. But are you sold on the fact that that Florida is a top 20 team right now? And I believe we have Mr. Big E on the line, Everett Prots from Boaz, Alabama. How's it going, Big E? It's going, man. Can you hear me good? I can hear you well, Big E. And, hey, I'm going through these Phil Still rankings, Everett, and I, I didn't even notice. I didn't get down below, like, 10 earlier. But when I see when I see Texas ranked number 16th in the preseason and Florida 19th, does that make you scratch your head a little bit wondering – how in the world you're going to rank Texas at number 16? That's all them six and six seasons they've been having. Six new coaching seven. staff, new, new new coaching staff. They got skull drug in their bowl game, and and then all of a sudden you're going to put them at 16. And even having Southern Cal at number 11 makes me scratch my head. But how in the world are you going to put Florida at number 19 right now after what you saw on the field last year? Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, Florida's going to be good on defense, and they're going to get what's his name back at quarterback. So uh, they'll they'll have talent. It's just a matter of whether Muschamp can coach or not. Uh, I I have more faith in Muschamp. I do. Uh, Charlie Strong. Yeah, I, I have more faith in him. I know what kind of defensive coordinator he is. Uh, I don't. I don't put no faith in Texas. Period, because you know they hadn't recruited as well. Uh, for the other other Texas teams, been beating up on them and out recruiting them. So I don't put no faith in Texas for those three reasons. Uh, you know that you know that Muschamp can coach. You know he's going to have a good defense. You know he's going to have talent. It's just a matter of whether he can. You know they had a lot of injuries last year. You know they would have been a better football team had they not had a lot of injuries, but. Uh, I, I guess out of those three, I would put USC closer to the top twenty than I would any of the, uh, Florida, the other Texas. teams. Yeah. Well, because, Big, well, Big you know, E, Jason, and I were talking before you came on, and and we've had this discussion, but I want people to listen to your opinion because I, I like what you say, and even if I didn't, I still want you to share it. But looking at this playoff committee that's formed, it's June. It's the end of June right now, Big E. And we have no idea what the criteria is uh, for what it's going to take to to make the Final Four. And my opinion was is I'm, I agree. Just take the BCS top four, add a add a plus one game, and be done with it. Why the committee and why now? Why are they getting rid of the BCS to bring a bunch of biased people in to to select four teams? I have a feeling it's not going to be the best four teams selected. Uh, me and you've had this conversation before, haven't we? <laughs> uh, we have. Uh, who, who, let me ask you a question, real quick. Who was the best two teams in 2011? 
2011, it was it had to have been LSU and Alabama. I mean, it wasn't really right. hard to debate that. Right. So that's the same conference, the same division. One of them wasn't a conference champion. The first game went to overtime. It was a field goal, 9-6 game. Uh, nobody even got close to the – I mean, Alabama was averaging over 40 points. LSU was averaging over 40 points. So we both giving up less than 12, I think. Uh, so here's what this committee is about. The first thing that they said when they had their first press conference was they want to put an emphasis on conference champions. So what that's telling me is that if you took those top four teams from 2011, even though Alabama was ranked second at the end of the season, they wouldn't have been in that game because they weren't a conference champion. Even though they were the best two teams, without a doubt, and I don't think that was questionable from anybody. I, I think people wanted to see Oklahoma State that year just to see what they could do against either one of those two. But that's a bloodbath waiting to happen. If they played out, if they'd have played LSU, LSU would have beat them by three touchdowns. It wouldn't have been funny. So what it, what it boils down to is people are tired of seeing us win it every year. I mean, they're tired of seeing, you know, Alabama, LSU, Auburn. They're tired of seeing – you know, two teams in the hunt instead of just one. And no matter how they how you slice it, they're going to figure out a way. And, and you know, if you got a team that's ranked uh, third, let's say Alabama lost, and they were number one when they played Auburn, and Auburn was number two. So Auburn moves to one when they beat Alabama. Well, instead of dropping Alabama to two, if it's a close game, let's say. And instead of dropping to Alabama to two, they're going to drop them to four. You know why? Because they're going to have to play each other again in the first round. And you're only going to see one of those two teams. I mean, there's going to be times when they're going to manipulate that system. It's human nature. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what they say their criteria, which they haven't. Like you said, they have not said anything but they're going to put an emphasis on strength of schedule and conference champions. Well, you know, that's pretty vague when you start looking at, you know, what kind of conference do you play in? Uh, how many injuries did you have? You know, uh, who did you play outside your conference? You know, but, I mean, did you play, you know, Kansas or did you play Michigan? You know, did you play USC or did you play Utah State? You know, I mean, you know, did you beat Utah State? You know, well, okay. Let's say let's say Utah State was a, a good football team. Okay, if you're going to put, if you're going to give somebody the uh, the uh, benefit of the doubt just because it's USC. If Utah State's a better football team, are you going to give are you going to give whoever played Utah State the benefit of the doubt? If it's Alabama playing Utah State, well, y'all played Utah State right a couple years ago. We did. So and it was a close game. So are, are they going to give you all the benefit? Of the, are they going to give you all the benefit of the doubt if Utah State's a better football team than USC? Uh, I mean, that's what they, that's they, what we don't know, Big E. But but if you look at this, is a possibility, and I know so uh, I many people say it's not. But what if what if the ACC, Big Twelve, SEC, Pac Twelve, Big Twelve, all of them went undefeated? What if? What if we had five BCS conferences with undefeated teams? What do they What do they do? Do they say, okay, uh, Big Ten, you're the weakest of all of them, you don't get to go, or do they they look at ACC and and how do they? I mean, that, that's what scares me. But 
All I want to see, Biggie, and tell me if 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 I'm if I'm asking too much. All I want to see is the top four teams in college football, whether they be three from the ACC or you know one from the Big Twelve. I don't care as long as those four teams are the best teams in college football. That's what I want to see. I don't care to see Baylor because they they lost one and won the Big 12 and don't even play a championship game in there because they won the Big 12. I don't want to see Stanford in there just because they won the Pac-12. If Stanford, a one-loss team, say, won the Pac-12 and they're better than a one-loss SEC team or they're better than a one-loss Big Ten team, then put them in there. If not, get them out of there. Well, I'm with you. I, I mean, I want to see the best four teams. Uh, I, I don't care anything about seeing somebody just because they won their conference. I mean, really and truly, who challenged Florida State last year in the ACC? Hey, if Nobody. You have, if you have, if you have that, if you have five major conference champions undefeated, then you got to look at Florida State. Are you going to give them the benefit of the doubt because they won the championship last year? Or are you going to look at what conference they play in? Uh, are you going to leave Alabama or Auburn out because the SEC's won it seven of the last eight years? Uh, are you going to leave LSU out because they're in a conference that's won it seven of the last eight years? There's too much. There's, look, you know, when you deal with human nature and bias and prejudice and whatever you want to throw into the equation, it's always going to turn out that there's always going to be somebody that's got a different agenda than what they should have. And, you know, the simple fact that, you know, you know, just looking at what, you know, you look at Ohio State's schedule. Me and you talked about Ohio State last year. Oh, they're undefeated. Everybody was saying, Ohio State's undefeated. And me and you both kept saying they're going to lose. There's no way that, that they're a good football team. I mean, they barely beat Purdue or, you know, somebody. I, I, don't, I don't know what their schedule Yeah, I mean, and Michigan was terrible. I mean, and everybody's, oh, Ohio State, Ohio State. Well, if you'd have put Ohio State in the SEC, they'd have lost four ball games. And and one of them, I guarantee you, would have been the one of them would have been to somebody that wasn't that good. Mississippi State, five and five, or you know, that, say that's what people don't understand is that you got to you got to look at the schedule and you got to look at the conference that that team plays in. I wished that the SEC would go to a nine game schedule. But I don't have a problem with playing a cupcake every now and then because, first of all, those schools need that money. And, and second of all, you know, hey, you need a week off every once in a while in the SEC or you won't make it. You, you'll get beat to pieces. And, you know, you, you can ask some of these new schools that came in, you know, and, and only been in the conference for a few years, you know, look at Texas A&M. You know, they got beat up last year. You know, it happens. It's going to happen. It don't matter if you're playing a one in, you know, eight Ole Miss team. You know, every game is subject to be lost on any given night. So, I, you know, I don't have a problem with, you know, somebody playing a cupcake every once in a while. I, I, you know, I wish we'd go to a nine-game schedule. But believe you know, when I when I looked at Florida State last year, even though they played in a weak conference, in my opinion. So I knew when I looked at Florida State, they were the best team in the country. I mean, watching them play, I mean, you don't go to Clemson and win by 40 and not be an amazing football team. You look at their recruiting over the past few years, that's fine. The eye test is a very important thing 
that I that I hope the committee doesn't screw up. And we have Jonathan on the line. Jonathan, you you watched football last year, even though Florida State's schedule was weak and they beat people by forty points. You knew they were the best team in the country, did? Oh, no doubt. I I knew it. I knew we were the, the best team uh, in well, the country. Right around the time that we we not only did we smack Maryland, but then we came in, we smacked Clemson, we're smacking Miami, uh, we're kicking the tar out of Florida. And not for nothing, but let me just put this out there right now. Y'all need to stop the SEC, SEC, SEC. One and eight Ole Miss ain't better than six and six North Carolina. Let me just put that out there right now. I get it. Y'all have a tough conference. I I understand that. But if you want to sit there and tell me that top to bottom, Arkansas is a tough team, Kentucky's a tough team. If they went to the Big Ten or or the ACC, they'd win eight games. You need to get off the crack pipe and stop lying to yourself. Because it's, it's right. not cute anymore. It's not cute okay. anymore. All right. Well, well y- y'all jump out of the ACC and come up here and play some ball with us. That's, you know, y'all had a chance to get in the conference several years back, and Biden didn't want no part of it because he knew what would happen. Now, that's not what, I, that's not what I'm trying to – that's not the point I was trying to make. I'm not trying to jump down Florida State's throat. I thought – what did I tell you last year, Brian? Out of all the teams yeah. ranked in the top five as an Alabama fan, who did I say scared me the most? Florida State. I said, I said Florida State. I knew they were a good football team. I don't have a problem with what Florida State did last year. Hell, I was pulling for them. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he, he, he was exaggerating, Jonathan, when he said a 1-8 Ole Miss team. He was... He was exaggerating just a little bit. I hope so. me off. What I'm saying is, is it, you know, it's happened before. Uh, you know, Alabama has been, what, three and eight and went into the Iron Bowl and won. You know, it's happened when Auburn has been, you know, five and five and went into Baton Rouge and won. I mean, it, it happens all the time. That's called in general. That's called yeah. in general. I mean, yes, we've seen undefeated teams lose to nobody. The year 2011, Oklahoma State was undefeated. They lose to a, a, a Iowa State team that had like three or four wins. I mean, that happens all the time in college football. I, 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 I understand the reference, but that happens all over the place. You can't just say that happens in the SEC. No, it don't just – I mean, it, it does happen in every conference. That I, but, see, you, you're not taking into effect what I'm, trying to, what I'm trying to put out there. There's more injuries in the SEC that affect how good a football team is. Have you ever played the game, first of all? Let me ask you that. Yes, I played football. Did you play high school football? Did you play college football? What was the highest level you played? I got in. I got injured my senior year of high school football. Lost my college football scholarship. Okay, what did you have a scholarship? What did you have a scholarship to? Elon University. Elon University. Okay, I know where that is. But the the point I'm trying to make is, you know, it's not it's not how tough the team. Is, is as far as how many games they've won. It's the physical wear and tear that happens in the weekend, week-out grind of playing other SEC I played schools. high school football in Florida. I know what you're talking about, wear and tear. You're not telling me anything I don't know. I, I, I understand the SEC love fest. I, I get it. You're an Alabama fan. I understand. But I'm just saying we can't sit there and say that all these other conferences – are second rate in second place. All right, all right hold on. Stop, day, stop right everybody's there. just stop. pumping up the SEC's ranking. Stop right there. I, I've had I had all I can, t- I can stand about this. Now, you start talking about Pac-12, you start talking about ACC, 
the only other conference that plays defense anywhere close. There's one team in the Pac-12 that plays defense anywhere close to what's played in the SEC. There's one or two teams in the Big in the Big Ten that's play, that plays defense the way the SEC plays it. And there's only one team in the ACC, and that's only in the last couple of years, and that's Florida State. The last ten years, Florida State couldn't stop my grandmother from walking through their offensive or defensive line. So you know, you, you, you know, that's where people get they miss the boat because. The defensive lines in the SEC, I don't care what the rest of the secondary looks like. I don't care what what two of the linebackers out of the four look like. you got you got defensive linemen that can outrun a lot of teams' tight ends or, or uh, fullbacks. They're, they're 325, 330 pounds, and the physical wear and tear, that's the difference between the SEC and everybody else is the defensive line. Is it not, Tarvin? It's it's a big reason why they've been successful in the in the championship games, especially when Florida beat Ohio State and and LSU beat who was that LSU beat Ohio State, I believe too. And I think Jonathan, the, the physical part of the SEC is is uh, is the part he's talking about. Is every week you're playing a team that that punches you in the mouth, and and really you can get injured, you get beat up. So I, I think that's really what he's trying to say there. Did I miss it ever? No, you're right on. I mean, I'm not talking about the wins and losses. I'm not talking about whether Kentucky's won one game or 15 games or five games or whoever. I'm talking about just the physical grind each week. It's not the same in the ACC. It's not the same in the Pac-12. Ask Oregon. When they played Auburn and Fairley and, uh, you know, that, that defensive line, Auburn's defense was middle of the pack. It's that that year. But their defensive line was so much better than Oregon's offensive line, it wasn't even close. I mean, that's the hold, only reason. Hold on, Auburn's hold on, still. hold on, hold on, Big E. Trey's on the line, and, and he, he's not liking the conversation. Trey, jump on in here, buddy. <laughs> now, I thought I was listening to Paul Feinbaum for a second, dude. It's called Sports Talk Radio. Uh, and, and actually, both of them bringing up real good points. Sometimes you're going to have you're going to have people debate, Trey. I mean, that's the part of radio, isn't it? Jonathan, are you offended right now? No, I'm still here. I'm fine. Okay. Everett, I mean, are you, are you okay? I'm, 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 I'm hanging out. I'm not mad. I'm not mad. I okay. Just, you know, I mean, I, you know, I was trying to make a point, and, and I wasn't trying to hurt anybody's feelings or step, in, step on anybody's toes. Like I said, I thought Florida State was the best team in the country last year, and I'm an Alabama fan. I didn't have a problem with Florida State being there. Didn't have a problem with them playing in the game. Didn't have a problem with them winning it because I thought they were the best team all year. Uh, well, I take it back. After about Alabama's fifth game, I thought, you know, there's something wrong. And it, and it was our offensive line, it, it, you know, back to the trenches again, back to the offensive and defensive lines. And, you know, I mean, that's what I didn't like about Alabama last year was we couldn't – we wasn't blocking. And and if you can't block, you're going to lose. And it and it showed. I mean, it showed against Auburn. We you know when we needed a yard, we couldn't get a yard. And you know, hey, you don't deserve. I don't care who you are. If you can't get a yard, you don't deserve to play in that game. Y'all won. Y'all deserve to be there. Yeah, go ahead. All right. So uh, we, you know, we talk about the SEC and that smash mouth punch. You know, punch you in the face football. And I don't even want to get into how so many uh, defensive linemen from the SEC have flopped in the NFL. What I want to ask you is how has two teams from the Big 12 considered a no-defense league come into the SEC, and we saw what A&M did last year, and we saw what Missouri did this season. 
you know, where Missouri makes it all the way to the SC championship game, A&M comes in and stuns everybody with 11 games. How did two Big 12 teams who were six, you know, A&M was six and six, you know, for a good couple of years in the Big 12 four, you know, they, they popped in the SEC. And Missouri's always been like a nine-win team but never really been able to, you know, get over that hump. How were they able to come in and kind of walk in their first two years? I mean, again, Missouri struggled that first year. But last year okay. they were walking on dog. That's that's a, a really easy question for me to answer. The first one is Johnny Manziel. He's an exceptional player. I don't personally care for his off-the-field antics, but Johnny Manziel is a, is a great football player. And if had, had Texas A&M not had him against Alabama, Alabama would have beat him by four touchdowns. But he was the difference in the football game. He was the difference in them winning 11 games and them winning six or seven games that year. The second answer, Missouri lost to South Carolina, didn't they? Wasn't it South Carolina that beat them? Yeah. And yeah, overtime. Okay. okay. They broke that 23 or 2 goal. Yeah. And uh, you got Georgia that lost about 15 players that, you know, that's who I would put my money on for the start of the season to win the East was Georgia. Florida loses several players, and, and they're down. South Carolina beats them. Uh, you know, but that side of the conference wasn't, I mean, it wasn't as strong as the West. It, it just it wasn't as strong. And they got to the SEC championship game, and, and look what happened to them. They got destroyed because they were playing a better football team. And, you know, Johnny Manziel is is an exceptional football player under on any team. He makes any team that much better because he's hard to catch. He's unorthodox. You never know what, where the ball, you know, the circus may come to town on any given play, and there's no defense for that. I don't care how good a defense you are. If the guy's dribbling the football and kicking it around, tossing it up my head and throwing it 30 yards, you can't cover somebody that long. And, you know, he's just he's an exceptional athlete. And, I, will, I, will, yeah. I, will, I will say this, Everett, looking at Johnny Manziel, Jonathan, he – when he played LSU his first year, when Texas A&M was there, they, they shut him down. When he played Florida, they shut him down. And he had that game against Bama that kind of catapulted that team, the, the perception of them. But you saw that defense at Texas A&M. They couldn't tackle uh, anything. And even this year, with Johnny Manziel, they still only won eight games, I believe. They lost to um, Auburn, Alabama, and LSU, I believe, and, and maybe somebody else. But I mean, they haven't dominated. But Missouri wasn't a, a very dominant team last year. But but if you look at Missouri, that first year they came in, they got killed. And uh, they were actually just destroyed with injuries and everything. And then they started beefing up that defensive line, getting some 6'6 six, six receivers, and they were good. I mean, I, I just think people think Missouri and Texas A&M are successful in the SEC. I don't think we they've been there long enough to really gauge that just yet. Right, but we're talking about players that were recruited for a Big 12 system, for a, for the Big 12 conference. Because I don't, you know, uh, DGB and Ladarius Washington uh, and all those guys on Missouri, those were all sophomores, juniors, seniors, you know, uh, you know, redshirt sophomores at that point who were recruited in being told, you're going to play Oklahoma week in, week out. You're going to play Texas. Come to SEC. At A&M, those guys were, you know, most of the guys coming into that team we're told you're going to play Oklahoma and Texas. And they showed up and walked to the SEC, and all we kept hearing was SEC defenses, which LSU's defense every year is, is good. I've got to admit that. But they kind of walked in and were like, we're going to drop 45 on you, catch us as you can. 
and that happened <laughs> numerous times. I mean, Auburn had pulled the same stunt last 63. year. Uh, let's be honest, but that's what they you did. Remember, I remember A&M dropping, what, 63 on Auburn in Auburn that first year. I was like, whoa. <laughs> so, you, you see what I'm saying, though. I mean, their offense is just yeah, in, and we're like, I'm gonna, I, I have, we have swagger. We're going to show you how the Big 12 gets it done. And that's what it was, the Big 12 offenses, the Big 12 offensive schemes. And, and even at that point, Kevin Sumlin came from Houston. So Houston's air raid offense came into the SEC and lit it up. So I, I'm just saying, maybe the SEC is not the almighty conference it is, but it's pretty damn good. But you have to realize that when you start including those teams in the Big 12, when you start including those teams in the ACC, you're talking Southern football, that whole belt's going to light it up. That, that, those three conferences should dominate the rest of America. And I think that's where the, there's this, mispers, you know, this misconception that the SEC is the only one who recruits these players. Well, Florida State's battling Bama, UF, LSU every year for the same players. They're not battling North Carolina and North mm-hmm. Carolina State for four and five stars. And that's what people need to realize that four- and five-star recruits are being battled for over all these different conferences. It's just that the SEC has a home field advantage. So does the ACC. They have home field advantage, too. We've got two teams in the state of Florida. Nobody can touch us when it comes to recruiting in the ACC. And I, I, I'll be honest with you, I'm not an ACC guy, but I'll be. Come on. Let's just look at it like that. Jonathan, Jonathan, I want you to stay right there. Big E, stay right there. Uh, Trey and I are going to do a quick interview with Ethan Booker uh, from Ole Miss. Very excited about this. So, Jonathan Everett, hang tight, and I'm going to bring on Mr. Ethan Booker. How are you doing, Ethan? I'm doing good. How are you all doing? Doing great. Thanks for thanks for joining us tonight, and, and I just wanted to say thank you again for coming. I listened to your interview with with Ryan Fowler on 99.1 FM, the game in Tuscaloosa. Great job, by the way. And I don't think a lot well, of people – I don't think a lot of people really realize what happened this past week uh, at the College World Series. Could you right. could you enlighten everybody out there? Yeah, well, basically what, what went down is uh, you got a bunch of students that go to school at Ole Miss, and uh, this, is, this is something that they started back – well, 10 years or before, uh, it's the Colonel Reb Foundation. It's basically the name of the foundation. And uh, it was started a long time ago, and we've since then going to get – we always go to games, football games, home and away, uh, basketball, uh, baseball, just, you know, whatever. Well, this past uh, weekend, Ole Miss, as everybody knows, was in the College World Series, and we actually ended up getting to Final Four, which was awesome. But just to go to Omaha and just to be in the College World Series after so long, I think it was in the 70s, um, the last time we were there, um, was exciting for us fans. And everybody's excited. And we, you know, myself and, you know, the guys that were with me, uh, we have friends on the team, and we wanted to go support them and even, you know, just, just to be there to support the Rebels. And so that was the number one thing. Well, we got to talking, and we were like, you know, this is a perfect opportunity for our mascot, Colonel Rev, to be there at the uh, at the game. And so the, and the reason for that is, I mean, you look, you've got fans that have been supporting Ole Miss their whole lives. I mean, there's young kids that are just now, you know, starting in, I guess, with supporting it. Um, and so they want to see their mascot, and they want to see Colonel Rep, and what awesome opportunity to have him there uh, for fans that are there watching the game to, to take a picture with him and to see him. So 
we get him together and we send out an email to all of our supporters because we've got people to donate money to get him to these games and uh, whatnot. And so we sent out the, the email. We got tons of support. You know, we were the trip was funded. We got we went up to uh, Omaha and immediately just started taking pictures. Had him out walking around the town and taking pictures, going out uh, downtown at nighttime where all the Ole Miss fans were going to be at. Just doing a lot of that cool stuff. Well, we got to the the Sunday game because we got there a day early. Uh, we got to the Sunday game and walked through the, the parking lot um, right behind the general admission, you know, part of the stadium. And I, I tell you, an overwhelming number of support from LSU fans, tons of those people were there, tons of Mississippi State fans were there. I mean, the flag's flying hot. Other schools supporting Colonel Webb, but a, a ridiculous amount of Ole Miss fans, I mean, just were shocked that he was there, excited that he was there, taking pictures. I mean, you should have seen the lines. The lines to take a picture with the Colonel were – I mean, they're huge. They were forever long. And so we're doing that, taking pictures. We're handing out flags. We've got flags that have just uh, the letter M on them, you know, and they're red and blue, just kind of a spirited thing. Mm -hmm. uh, just doing that kind of stuff, getting people excited, you know, taking pictures. The colonel was knelt down, you know, like high-fiving little kids. I mean, just, just having a great time. We get to the stadium, uh, the drill and mission ticket line. We go in, um, and right before we actually went started going to the seat, the, the guy that was, I guess, scanning the tickets, he you know, we need to make sure this is okay. And I can understand that, especially because, you know, if you've got a big head of a mascot, you want to make sure, I mean, just for, I guess, security, you know, they need to check it. That's cool. He checks it. Uh, he calls his boss, which is like the main, you know, I guess the general manager, I guess, of tickets. And uh, the guy says, you know, it's the College World Series. Y'all have fun. Let us in. So we go on in. We go over to the side where Ole Miss, like the Ole Miss side of the uh, outfield or, you know, the other part. And we're going to sit down, but like I said, I mean, the lines to take pictures with Colonel Rep, and people were coming, just dropping what they were doing to come over to take a picture with him. We get almost to our seats, and the same guy that let us in, this is the, uh, I guess, the head dude over everything, he came over and said, hey, look, uh, I'm sorry, you know, I let y'all in. That was my fault. He's like, uh, there, we, can't, we can't have the Colonel in, in the game because, and I'm like, well, why? What's, what's, what's going on with this? And so I'm questioning him and asking him, and I was being respectful, but I was, just curious because I'm seriously wanting to know because before we left to go to Omaha, I'm looking through the rule book to try to see if there's anything that would keep him out of the stadium. We don't want to break any rules, you know. We're just trying to have mm -hmm. fun with it, you know. And so we did that. Nothing, no rules were broken. And he, I just kept on, kept asking, you know, tell me what happened, what happened. I mean, what, what's, what's, why can't he be in here? Finally, the girl that's standing with him, uh, she says, well, the deal is Ole Miss has learned, the university has learned that the colonel was going to be here, and so they called or contacted the NCAA, and the NCAA is who doesn't want him here. And I was like, well, that's kind of odd, you know, that Ole Miss would do that. And they said, well, the NCAA's stance on it is that if a mascot is there, they have to, it has to be institutionally approved. And I said, well, can I get you on video talking about this? Oh, no, 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 we can't, no, no, we can't do that. Okay, that's fine. Well, can you show me in writing in the rules where it says that? Well, they couldn't never show me. So instead of just keeping on, and keep, I mean, I did for a little bit, just keep asking, just, you know, can you show me something? After, after a while of doing this, I, I, we weren't going to win the argument with him, and that's fine. And I, I was being respectful to the guy because it wasn't, the, the, the guy that was making us leave was not his fault. It's the NCAA and Ole Miss. That's their issue. And so we were like, okay. So we took him back, you know, took him back outside. But as we were leaving, the crazy part was people were still wanting to try to get pictures with him. They wouldn't even let people take pictures with the colonel after they told us that. They had to stop taking pictures altogether. 
And so that was just odd. Until we got out of the stadium, then they could do whatever they wanted to. And we took more pictures and hung out for a little bit outside. Um, and then we went back the next day, and uh, we're going to do it again. And, you know, we weren't didn't go to the line. This time we were going to buy general admission tickets up at the front. And I talked to the people, and same same thing, you know, the – the institutions have to approve the mascot. Okay, well, can you show me that? No, they couldn't. So finally, I called TD Ameritrade Park or the NCAA, and I was trying to get in touch with somebody. And I, I can't remember which one, but I called both, I think. And um, finally, I got some girl, and she said, hey, actually, that is what it is. You know, it's the NCAA. Because she actually thought that we were – she's like, well, what mascot are you with Ole Miss? Are you the, are you the solo cups? I'm like, no. She's like, are you, you know, what are you? I'm like, we're, we're currently – we are the Rebel. And she's like, well, hold on. I mean, it took forever. And finally, after a long wait, she comes back and says, well, the institutions have to approve the mascots. Okay. Well, then I said, well, email it to me. I want to, I want to have what you just said emailed to me, if you don't mind, because I need that. Still to this day, we still haven't received an email from them. And I've called back. Uh, didn't get anybody the first time. And we're gonna, I'm going to still keep trying, just because I would like to have it in writing, just showing what this apparently new rule is, you know. So that was that's kind of an overview of what happened with us at Omaha. Uh, we're just trying to get in the stadium. Well, Ethan, I mean, it seems to me, and, and Trey and I spoke with this after I talked to you today, and really it's not the NCAA or Ole Miss's call coming into TD Ameritrade Stadium. So, Ethan, if I came dressed as Colonel Reb, could they make me personally leave the game? That's a question. I mean, no rules you know, are, are saying anything about this. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. And we had a guy, um, it's like a – like you mentioned earlier, I was doing the interview yesterday um, on 99.1, and he said, you know, were you doing – can you tell me this? Were you doing anything wrong? Did you break any – you know, were there any rules broken? Were you throwing pop – you weren't throwing popcorn at people? I was like, no, we never even got over to the popcorn to buy any <laughs> because, you know, it was just that – it happened that quick. But – and that's the thing. I mean, we, we were here, – here's the deal. We're college kids. We're not trying to get in trouble. We love Ole Miss. We love the Rebels. We love supporting our school and our team. Who wouldn't, you know? And so we're just trying to take Colonel Reb to be there because we love him and we want a picture with him. We, everybody else wants it too, you know? But you're right. You make a good point. Is it is it one of those issues where if if somebody wore a red hat and painted a beard on and wore a cane and, you know, the whole – would they be kicked out too? And I just – honestly, I don't think that's the case. I think it's just because that it is Colonel Reb. It would be – you know, I could see it maybe if we were trying to stand on top of the dugout or if we had seats directly behind home plate where ESPN was going to be showing us every two or three seconds. I'm talking we were in the $10 seats in the outfield. <laughs> you know, that's what we were saying. Yeah. Well, Ethan, the Colonel, Colonel Rep Foundation is, is actually a part of Old Miss University, correct? I mean, this is a, a legitimate foundation that, that Old Miss pays money to and, you know, sponsors the events and pays money to send people out there. So why would they call ahead like that? And well, and let, me, let me clarify that a little bit. Basically what it is is we have student organizations across campus. There's tons of them. I mean, any anything that anybody's interested in can start a student organization. Uh, if you're into, like, Legos and, I mean, games, I think they have, like, the Gamers Association as well. They've got – I mean, there's tons of them. Literally any kind of interest group type thing can create a student organization on campus. We are a student group on campus. And it's crazy because we can actually – we're a, if you go to the Ole Miss Registered Student Organization's website, we'll be listed on there with a picture of Colonel Rip. And if we were to go to, let's say, our student government at the beginning of the year and request funds, 
we'll have to sit down with a panel of people and explain what we want, just like any other student organization. But we can actually receive money from the university to do what we're doing. And we're, that's, that just goes to show you, I mean, we have a constitution. The, the, the current foundation has our own constitution that we had to create just for us to be a registered uh-huh. student organization. Went through all the rules. So that's what's crazy about it. And then we're not allowed to be doing these, these things, and it's like, but Ole Miss is the one that created the Colonel. You're the one that created the mascot. Do you know what I mean? So it's just it's very contradictory, and it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Exactly. Trey, do you have any questions for Ethan? Yeah, Ethan Haven. Uh, and here's what I'm, I'm thinking, too, man, and this is why I think you might be, a, well, I guess, uh, maybe problematic for Ole Miss, is they still classify Colonel Rev as a trademark from the university. Is that is that correct? Uh, you know, I, I don't know the exact specifics on what they classify him as. I do know that um, they at one time, I mean, they, they were trying to say that they they had the trademark because other people in town would try to put him on different things, and the university was saying, no, he has to be altered a certain you know percentage or whatever. Um, but as right. a student organization on campus, you can use, even if it is a trademark thing, as a student organization, you can use any trademark that the university has. Yeah, there's something called fair use, with, and they, they can authorize certain types of use with their trademark. It is still trademarked. And, uh, I looked it up. Colonel Red is still trademarked, even though the mascot changed in 2010. I think you guys have right. the bears now, which was voted in by the students. Um, uh, so I think you, know, you may have problems with that as well, because the university can obviously choose when their trademark is going to be used. Um, and then they may have decided at some point in the university that they didn't want it used, and so they called the NCA on you. Well, and I, I get your point. The thing is, though, with us going to the College World Series, we weren't using a printed logo. We were using an actual um, piece of equipment that was made to look like this kernel. And actually, it looks different than the one that they had. It's a completely different mascot than the one that they used to have on the field. And so, and we actually, uh, recently, the foundation has went and created its own uh, completely different Colonel Reb image that we can actually use for other things. So, that's, that, I mean, that's, like I said, we've tried every way that I, I know and that the other guys that are involved to make sure that we're doing everything legal, you know what I mean, to make sure that we're doing it the right way. We don't want to get in trouble. I mean, it's not like we're trying to, you know, tick people off. Hey, we're we're students. We want to represent Ole Miss. We want to, you know, have this mascot's been around for a long time, and people love him. They want to take pictures with him. They want to be around him, and that's the whole purpose is just us having him out for people to see and take pictures with and, you know, Relive old memories, I guess. So let me ask you this. Uh, is your foundation sort of, I guess, juxtaposed to, I guess, uh, the, the mascot that's been in place, voted in in 2010? Is this like a, uh, I guess, how many students are part of your foundation? We actually, it, um, officially, if you look online, have, we are the largest student organization on the campus. And the reason for that is because, we every student signed like a petition or they you know whatever that was delivered to the chancellor several years before I ever got to come before I ever came to Ole Miss. They delivered all these to the chancellor um, to try to like reinstate the colonel, and we had I mean thousands of students literally signing those on our email list. And so we've got a lot of people that are involved in this thing. It's much bigger than just a couple of people. Um, so as far as number wise, I mean th- th- you're talking about the vast majority of students are, are supportive and are part of the foundation. Okay, that's, that's, some, that's some interesting stuff. And, you know, when I look at Ole Miss, I think of 
of Colonel Rev, and I, I want a picture made with him, Ethan. And, Ethan, I want to thank you for coming on to the show tonight, and we'll spread the word out. Hopefully we can get some changes made at Ole Miss. Thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. Hey, I really appreciate you all having me on, too. And, and like I told, you know, the guy on the other station, is, you know, the biggest thing we can do is just is just have a conversation about it. And, I mean, you know, us out here, we're all we're trying to do is, is have the mascot that we love and we support, and we just want him out. We want him out and about. We want people to take pictures with him because we love Ole Miss. And the number one thing is to support our team. And Colonel Rev obviously supports the team. I mean, heck, they, the team wears the word Rebels across their uniforms. So that is, that's where we're coming from, and that's, that's what we, our message is. All right. Ethan Booker with us live on Win Sports Talk. Ethan, uh, good luck with everything, and I promise we'll help spread the word and get this out. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate you all. All right. Thank you. Trey, some interesting stuff, and, and the thing I, I find the issue with is here we are. Uh, you know, the students voted, they said. The, they said the students voted to have the black bear uh, replace Colonel Reb, but that wasn't the case. Only a couple of hundred students actually voted on this, but the majority of the students, like he said, Trey, Colonel Reb, you know, should be there. If I'm the students, you know, enough people can make some noise to get this change back. What do you think? Oh, it was more than a couple hundred, but it was in 2010, just to give you a little history. Oh, it was, it was um, actually 300. The, the, uh, well, no, the, get back up a little bit. Um, Ole Miss put a vote first as to whether they should change their mascot to the students. Uh, and that's what initially, sort of initially took place. Now, you're right, the, the vote of the bear was, was you know, a couple hundred, but that, that wasn't the initial vote, which was the initial vote was to change the mascot which was a lot more. So um, the students, obviously, if they got together and, and voted, I think Ole Miss would, um, you know, listen because it was a student vote that changed it. Um, you know, the, 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 the sort of rebel mascot as it is has only been around since about 1981 or 79, depending on which history you want to go with. So uh, the rebel uh, or, or Colonel Reb, um, you know, the guy who runs around the field, is you know relatively uh, sort of in our generation, um, but you know the students of Ole Miss want to get together, Carvin. I think they might do something. Yeah, and that's that's what I'm I'm gonna try to spread the word. Like you said, the students get together; they they can speak together and and get something changed. What I don't like about what Ethan was talking about is nobody could produce anything to show him any kind of rule. Here's Ethan coming from. He's from Arkansas. He's a senior at Ole Miss. They're driving all the way or, or flying out to Nebraska to watch a College World Series and then gets turned away. That That's the problem I have, Trey. The NCAA, nobody could put in writing the really the rule, and that, that's all it does is cause confusion. The NCAA was castrated years ago, and I, I think any time you know, they, they can flex their muscle or anything, they're going to do it. But this is – the fault of NCAA and Ole Miss. This is not just the NCAA. So hopefully they can get that changed. And, and Trey, back to our conversation we had. You came in late. Thanks for joining us. You, you had some other obligations, but we had Big E on the line, and we had Jonathan. And, but I was talking at first about, you know, this, this commission or the, uh, the committee that was put together in place to pick the four best teams. And, and you know, I still have that gut feeling, Trey, that – Nothing's going to change, really. I, I, I don't think they're going to pick the four best teams in college football. I think they're going to look at the conferences and they're going to go from there. Yeah, I mean, I, 
you and I have talked about this sort of ad nauseum. I, I completely disagree that that's going to happen. I mean, any time that we've had a, you know, a tournament in, in college sports, um, it's been a good thing. And, and yes, uh, you can argue that they're, you know, in the 65 basketball, that there may be a few uh, in the 60s who could make an argument, but they always get the top right. Um, and so I think, Tarvin, that you're going to get the top four. And uh, a lot of people seem to discount a lot of the other factors that this, you know, they're going to consider. And they want to say, oh, well, they said they're going to look to conference championships. Well, uh, they're not the only people who've ever done that. The polls have done that as well. Um, and so I don't think it's the end-all, be-all, Tarvin. I don't think a conference champion uh, from a conference that's down is going to, is going to matter. I think if, you, if somebody in the Pac-12 is undefeated, they're going to make the Final Four. Uh, but I think that if the you know, Pac-12 champion has two losses, they're probably going to be sitting out watching mm-hmm. the other conferences play. I and mean, I think that's just the way it's going to be. It's not going to be but an Trey, Trey, if, 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 you have a, if you have a one-loss South Carolina team, just say, for instance, say they're, they're, you look at them on paper, they lost the game early, you have a one-loss Baylor team that won the Big 12, um, who do you choose right there, really? Well, it's not going to be, and that's where the fallacy of the argument is, Tarvin, is it's not going to be just those two facts alone. If South Carolina played a brutal schedule and played, they beat Alabama, who was top five, and then they went to the SEC championship and they beat a Texas A&M or Auburn, who were top five, and then Baylor, there's not a team in the Big 12 who you can count in the top 15, it's not going to matter uh, because you're going to look at the road wins. You're going to look at all this stuff that the conference, the conference committee or wherever they're calling themselves has said they're going to consider. It's not going to be just, oh, well, Baylor is a one-loss and so is South Carolina, and they won their conference. It's not that simple. Well, Everett's still on the line. What have they said they're going to consider? All I've heard is strength of schedule and win your conference championship. There was a 13 or 14 uh, item. 13 or 14 page, a bunch of crap. They ain't said nothing yet. All they're doing is talking in circles. It's just... This is a waste of time talking to you about this. Anyway, we'll see. South Carolina will be 11-1 and, and beat everybody in the conference, and Baylor lost to freaking Fresno State, and they'll be in the championship. You watch and see. It'll be a screw. It'll be a screw job. <laughs> That's what it's going to be. It's going to be. I, a I can't really play. disagree. I can't really disagree with you, Everett. And, and you know, trade. I know they just put the criteria down. They put a long list of stuff, but how they weight that stuff. To me, really what they're weighing, number one, is did you win your conference? And to me, to get the four best teams, that could be three teams in the Big Ten. It doesn't matter. It's just who are the four best teams in America? Everett, I know you have to go to dinner. you have anything you want to say before we go? Yeah, I'm going to go fall asleep watching freaking soccer, I guess, because that's all it's on. All right, man. Well, have a good night, and thanks for joining us. And we still do have Jonathan with us. Jonathan, welcome back to the show. Big E's funny. I, I don't think he was attacking you, uh, Jonathan, about football or anything, just to let you know that. He was asking you. He was just curious about where you played, you know, if you played college or not. I never played college football, so, you know, I, I can't say I did. Oh, no, I understand. He's asking for qualifications. That's that's what he was looking for. Um, he was looking yeah. for if I had any qualifications. I understand that. But at the end of the day, I don't care what – I don't care. If you're from Alabama, don't come to me about high school football. <laughs> I, I, honestly, I have to say that because in, in my area, 
we're producing more talent than 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 it, just in the state. We're producing more talent than pretty much any other state when it comes to recruiting rankings. Let's just be honest out there, you know. And, and when we're talking about recruiting, we're talking about football. We're talking about some of the some great players. I mean, you just want to look at my area. We're talking quarterbacks, uh, running backs, receivers, linebackers. I mean, we I played against a team, uh, Lakeland High School, who had three linebackers all going. One was going to George Tech, one was going to Purdue, one was going to Illinois. They had a receiver who committed to Florida, D committed to go to Texas Tech because he wanted to play for the pass-pass offense, whatever, that was a bad idea. You know, and their quarterback was going D1. I mean, you, you, you see teams, you know, where, where I'm located that are just ridiculously stacked when it comes to Division One talent, uh, even down to Division Two level because it's so competitive and cutthroat. So, no, I understand. I wasn't offended or anything. It was just. Okay. When it comes to the coach with the playoff, what I'm looking at is I, I honestly expect four conference champions. And, but at the end of the day, like you're trying to like you were saying, last year our conference champions were Florida State, Auburn, Michigan State, Baylor, and Stanford. There's no way <laughs> I mean let's be honest. Florida State, Auburn, and Michigan State are locked. So you're talking about that fourth spot, right? We're talking about a one-loss Baylor team. We're talking about a two-loss Stanford team. You're talking about a one-loss Alabama team. Uh, I mean, it's really hard to make a decision there between those three teams. And that's, that's well, I'm the taking argument Baylor. that a lot of people... I'm taking Baylor when you start comparing the conference champion, though. Like Trey said earlier, the two-loss Stanford team kind of forfeited them out of the four-team playoff right. because you lost two games. But Baylor with a one-loss... And Bama with a one loss right there. If you were comparing those two, you, there's no way you could take Baylor over Alabama, I don't think. Before the bowl right. game. Before. Right. Right, right, exactly, exactly. So that's that's how you gotta look at it. Is every year there's pretty, there's probably going to be three teams that are locks and that fourth spot's always gonna be up for debate. Just like Trey said, when we're talking about March Madness, the top fifty six teams are locks. It's those last eight, not it's those last ten spots that there's debate. It's always that's always how it is. No matter how you look at it, when there's a selection committee, there's always going to be to be a debate when it comes to that last spot. But but I want to say something real quick, and Trey, I'll I'll turn it to you on this. I think when people start looking at strength of conferences and everything, and and who are the best teams, all you have to do really is look at recruiting. I mean, you look at recruiting. Florida State's right there every year now. I mean, they're they're recruiting the same players, Bama, LSU, Auburn, Southern Cal, all of them are recruiting the same players, but only Florida State in that conference can really get those players. So Clemson's usually a top-20 team recruiting, but when you look at the SEC, Bama, LSU, A&M, Auburn, Florida, Tennessee, Georgia, Ole Miss, South Carolina, Kentucky were in the top 21, but when you look at the top-tier teams, a lot of these conferences can't get those kind of players. Now, Florida State's an exception to that conference, and Ohio State's the exception in the Big Ten tray, and I think that's when you start looking at it. The best recruits usually make up the best teams, and I think that's where this debate goes to. The best players go to the SEC conference mainly. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that completely. But I do want to go back to the committee a little bit and, and Biddy's last comment that, you know, all these criteria they listed is talking in circles. Well, talking in circles to say that the only thing that matters is going to be the conference championship, which they haven't said either, by the way. That's completely made up. Um, that is taken out of, I say, one part comment taken out of context again. 
Now, they said, yeah, that's going to matter, but all of these other things are going to matter too. Here's the list of every criteria. I think we're, no one's going to know what happens to these, to which each individual is going to vote on it. And by the way, there, there are just as many SEC homers on this committee as there are for any other conference. Uh, and I just don't buy into I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like the that there's SEC homers. I want the four best teams. That's all I care about. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you completely, Tarvin. And I think we're going to get, like Jonathan said, if you look back at the history, let's go back 10 years, I guarantee you can pick the top three teams every year, the two best teams and then the team who got left out of that conversation uh, for the BCS title. It's going to come down to the fourth team, and, and a lot of times it is going to be a debate. And, and I'll be honest, Tarvin, it's going to be a debate a lot of times with an SEC team because I think uh, you're going to have, at least for the next couple of years, uh, while the recruiting, as you talked about, is still going on with the SEC, you're going to have probably an easy SEC pick in the top three, an easy other conference, whether it's a Florida State or Ohio State or even a Pac-12 team, you know, one of those teams in the elite status. And then you're going to have a fourth team. And it could be a Big 12 champion. It could be a Pac-12 champion. Or, and it could be a one-loss. And most, most likely, Tarvin, it's going to be a one-loss SEC team. And, but it's not going to come down to just everybody on the committee going, well, who won the championship in their conference? Because like we've all talked about, I, I, you know, in all these, you know, even last year, you have to look at who they play, wins on the road and that kind of stuff. And those are going to be part of the criteria. You know, how do we know that they're going to do that? It's what the NCAA basketball committee does. It's what the NCAA baseball committee does. It's what the NCAA hockey committee and soccer committee and lacrosse committee, they all do this exact kind of breakdown, and it's going to just continue with, the, with football. Well, Trey, you know, you know what I have a problem with? You hear some of these coaches in other conferences griping about the SEC not playing a ninth game, you know, wanting everything even. Well, the Big 12 doesn't even play a championship game, but if I recall, the SEC played a championship game before anyone mm-hmm. and, yeah. and didn't even didn't question anyone saying, why don't you do this because we're doing it. They just did it, but now – these other conferences are, are trying their best to make the SEC play another t- another game because the competition there is so deep sometimes that it gives them a chance to get knocked off. I think a two-loss SEC team does not make the Final Four regardless no. if, yeah. if they win their conference. Yeah, and here, here's a good point too, Tarvin. I, I agree with I like the eight-game SEC schedule too. I, I think uh, I like the fact that, you know, I like the other matchups. I like to see people shake it up with other conferences. I think that's going to happen more. Um, but here's the thing that, that I really think will go on. With the teams that play the conference championships are going to get a bump over the Big 12. And I just think that's going to happen because I think that, you know, the fan in me and I think the fan in, in the committee, and, and they look at this, they're going to say a Big 12 champion didn't have to go through a championship game. And I think – I look at it the other way, Tarvin. I don't think the Big 12 has had a, really much of a stake here because a Big 12 champion, a one-loss team, is going to have a very hard argument to make against teams that go to conference championships and lose. And if you have two undefeated SEC teams that meet up in the conference championship, I think the one loss there may make, may make it every time over a one-loss Big 12 because they're not going to have that respect coming from a conference championship. That's a, that's a great point. I never, I never looked at that that way. Jonathan, what do you think about Trey's comment? I never thought of it that way. I think Trey's dead on, and that's the one that, that's always the one thing I, I love about Trey is that he does bring such a good level-headed legal argument, if you will, to to, to any debate. Um, 
because he's right. I mean, the committee is not just going to look at one thing. That there's many things they're looking at. They're, just, they're not going to let us know everything, obviously. But us, you know, let, let's just say that we're intelligent uh, college football fans. We know the committee is going to look at an eye test. They're going to look at the strength of schedule. They're going to look at how, they, how teams performed on the road. They're going to look at who won the conference championship. They're going to look at the conferences overall. They're going to look at how many games the team played. They're going to look at everything. You know, they're not just going to look at one thing. They're going to look at everything. And, I, and, I, and that, that, that I, I full-heartedly agree with. And that's why, you know, is the committee going to let you know everything? No. Because the committee, in all honesty, it's their first year. They're still going to try and sort some things out. Um, but the, the, to, to the point where we keep bringing up how there's an SEC home run the committee, well, you got to remember, they took this committee because it's a pretty non-biased committee. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what they went out and looked to do. It's not like they grabbed the heads. Uh, you know, they grabbed somebody from each big school, each prestigious university, and said, here you go. Here's your committee. I mean, we got Jeff Long from Arkansas. You know, uh, if I was thinking Archie Manning's on this committee and he was the Ole Miss, so it's not like we're talking about Alabama LSU guys who are going to try to vote for their teams every year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's as long as they get it right. And that, the college football fan in me, the the man that loves college football and is passionate about it, and regardless of who gets left out or what, if you give me the four best teams, and granted, we can't all agree on them all the time, but I don't want to see you stick a – a Baylor in there with one loss and, and leave out a team that earned it on the field. I think strength of schedule is very, very important, and I, I think being undefeated is very important. So it's going to be it's going to be difficult to, to compare these. And I like the BCS format. Let's just do a plus one game. But, hey, this mm-hmm. is, it wouldn't be any fun, Trey, if, if we couldn't debate it, right? <laughs> hey, you know, here's the, here's the equalizer, too, Tarvin, and, and this is the, what we don't know, and I think it's going to have a very a big impact. So I'll tell you two things. One, I think the Big 12 is going to scramble in a year or two to add more teams. Uh, maybe a BYU. Uh, they're, they're going to scramble because they're going to start getting locked out. Uh, so that's my first point. I think the Big 12 is the loser in all this thing. Two, uh, there's the ESPN effect. And what I mean by that, Tarvin, is they have come up with a stat to rank teams and players for everything, and it's sort of an ESPN. Nobody knows how they come up with it. It's like QBR. Um, ESPN has never told you how they make QBR. Uh, but now it's almost on every statistic, you know, statistician's thing. Well, what's his total quarterback rating? Uh, and ESPN mm-hmm. is the one who makes these lists. And now it controls who everybody else talks about as making money. It's used in arbitrations. It's used in contract negotiations. It changed the way quarterbacks are paid. And the second thing they did was they came up with RPI for basketball. And that, the committee actually considers RPI. They consider a stat made by ESPN. And so what ESPN is going to do, I guarantee it, they're going to come up with some sort of stat that's based on strength of schedule, but it's going to, going to call it a total, you know, the overall conference team best player, I don't know, whatever. It's going to be called something great. And I guarantee the committee is going to start looking at that stat. So ES, I'm telling you, there's going to be an ESPN fact. That's my prediction. <laughs> it better not be, Trey. But that's another great point. Trey, you're on fire. You started slow, but you, you, you're you on fire here. You never didn't see eye to eye, but that's all right. But hold on. We have a caller. I believe this is Marty Robinson joining us on the show. Marty, welcome. Hey, great show, guys. Thank you, sir. What do you think about this committee? Well, you know, I got a couple of questions, and then I got a comment. The question would be, 
on the committee. When, when does the committee start making their evaluation, or when does the committee's power come into force? What are they going to use up to the point the committee picks the final four? I mean, are we doing? Are we keeping the same uh, system and process that we've had for years and years? Uh, is it when the BCS is supposed to start selecting its uh, part of it? Is that when the committee starts picking up and making their selection? Well, well, from from what I know, Marty and guys on the panel, please correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's going to be around the same time the BCS yeah. was coming out. They're going to start their rankings, and I, I don't think they're going to. Are they going to do the top twenty-five all together? Are they just going to focus on on the top twelve, yeah. Trey? I think they're going to do twenty-five, and then you're, and there's a question about that. There's only been speculation. They, they have told us uh, that around the same time the BCS came out, we're going to see their rankings, if you will, their their top whatever it is. Uh, so we are going to see that for sure. Um, we just don't know. Ex- I mean, I, I would guess. If, I, if I'm a betting man, Tarvin, and I know you are and I'm not, I would say it's going to be the exact week the BCS came out. Okay. Another question I've got, too. You know, they're going to put emphasis on the uh, championship uh, winners of each conference. Well, let me tell you about the darling of the United States that people just, just love to death for whatever reason is Notre Dame. I mean, they don't play in a championship game. You know, they're out there. I mean, they they generally do pick a fairly decent schedule to play. But, you know, as they were so great a few years back. Notre Dame is back. You've seen so much media over Notre Dame when they played Alabama in that championship game. And then they didn't deserve to be there. They absolutely did not deserve to be there. What's going to happen for the great Notre Dame when they go 11-1 or undefeated, and you do have four undefeated teams with BCS championship, what's going to happen then? <laughs> That's a good question. Wow. Wow, John, well, I'll let you tackle this one. Well, uh, the one thing that Notre Dame did, which was really a, a, a smart business decision, was they switched their conference allegiance for, all, uh, conference allegiance for uh, their uh, non-football schools to the ACC. But part of doing that, they actually have to sign a contract. You have to play five ACC schools a year. Now, on top of playing those five ACC schools, we're talking about they're also going to play Michigan. They're also going to play USC, Stanford, uh, Michigan State. So we're talking they're going to have, uh, and then, you know, Navy and Army is going to be in there. So they're going to have 12 games against Division One schools, five, SC, five ACC. Uh, we're talking at least two pac twelve two Big Ten, and then, you know, a couple of the other independents who Army and Navy are talking about joining uh, uh, with, uh, with a conference, like a Big East or a Mountain West. So Notre Dame, I think, schedule-wise is going to be okay because the, team, the representatives of the committee is going to look at that and say, well, there's a, there, if they're going to be able to play and beat these schools, they should be all right. Yeah, but I still think that love of Notre Dame, though, I don't think this committee is going to factor that bias in like you see, Marty, with Ohio State, Notre Dame, Michigan, some of these teams. I think Notre Dame has to go undefeated and be impressive mm-hmm. to get in over a conference champion. That's just my thought. I don't think this committee is going to be in love with them as the AP poll is. Well, it's very interesting to see what's going to happen and what's going to play out on that. The only, th- only, only fears I have with the playoff, I, I had no problem with BCS, and I really – 
I, I don't know who had the problem with it because everybody I've heard does not have a problem with the BCS because I think they've got it right year after year. But the, the problem I have with the committee taking the computers out of the poll or out of the equation, which they have no bias, computers do not have no bias, but I know that was just one factor of the BCS. But but we live in a world now, and I guess every one of y'all will, will say, will agree this, we live in a world of political correctness nowadays. You know, we live in a world of equality. Everybody needs to be treated the same, you know, and all this. I just, I, I just fear when that human element comes to selecting a football team, when you have a lot of close teams that could be questionable being there, they're going to say, well, this team hasn't been there in a long time. We're going to let this team be in there now. These teams have had their share. They've been in the spotlight. We're going to let this team be there. That's what I fear with, with this process that they put together. Because all of us know I probably will watch more college football than those committee members will watch, you know, mm-hmm. in the next coming year. So that's, that's just the only thing I have a problem with. And, guys, I appreciate letting me call in. All right. Thanks, Marty. And, Trey, I can't really argue with Marty there. I mean, the political correct part, the everyday this country becomes, tries to become more politically correct. And I do mm-hmm. see the day where they're like, wow, this uh, Kansas State team, it's been a while. You know, LSU was in it the last couple of years. Let's go ahead and select Kansas State. Do you think that will happen? No. I, I, I think that I mean, you don't see that happening in, in, the bas- in the basketball tournament for the teams that are on the bubble. It's not like they select – Oh well, this team's never been. I mean, there are some historic teams that get left out, and, and you, honestly, I kind of would like to see them back in there. Sometimes, you know, you have those those bubble Georgetown teams from the '80s. And you're like, hey, maybe Georgetown should be back in the tournament. They don't seem to do it in basketball, and, and they certainly haven't done it in, in the baseball tournament, where some some teams who are used to be historically powerhouses get left out of that tournament as well. So. I mean, maybe Tarvin. I mean, anything's possible, um, but that's not my biggest fear uh, with with a tournament selection committee. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, I need to announce that we're about to go. But Wednesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, we're going to start the show, and we're going to be on MTR Radio live as well as Block Talk Radio. So, if you one thing Block Talk Radio doesn't have that I wish they had, Trey and I spoke about this is have an app. I want an app to where yeah. people can be in their cars, download the app, and get it. Well, guess what? You can get on our MTR radio, download the app, and listen to our show every Wednesday and Sunday. And, Jonathan, I don't know about you, but I like that app. Oh, yeah. No, that's, that's definitely going to be a, a great uh, feature to have, um, absolutely great to have, to be able to utilize uh, of any any form of the streaming that we can to get more and more listeners and to be able to help people out because it's a lot easier to be on our, to listen to it on our app than it is to go call in and listen on speakerphone. And, and Big E wants to challenge Trey to a fist fight in the parking lot at the <laughs> at the local Taco Bell. Trey, are you on court? <laughs> <laughs> hey, if we're gonna be in a if we're gonna be in a street fight, I choose Church's Chicken. <laughs> churches, churches forever doesn't like that that fried chicken like you do, man. He, he likes the, he likes the cheap stuff. He likes the Taco Bell. <laughs> Come on, man! Churches chicken's great. Churches chicken, but that was some good talk. I had five messages on my Facebook saying they were very entertained when Big E was on there. He just brings some kind of thing to the show. He's just one of those country boys, brutally honest and. Jonathan, I'm sure you had some fun with that too. 
Oh yeah, it's always it's always entertaining when Biggie can be a part a part of the uh, the show. Um, in all reality, uh, being uh, looking at it, anytime we get Alabama fans who is as uh, a uh, I don't know what to claim they're not blinded but are blinded. It's always enjoyable for me. <laughs> he is a Bama <laughs> Homer now. He's a Bama yeah, Homer. He seems to be the biggest conspiracy theorist about wanting the feeling they're going to be left out, even though they're there every year. I mean. Uh, uh, the, the one team that's not going to be left out is an Alabama team. They're too good. I mean, Nick Saban, I mean, come on. As long as they got Saban as the coach and they lose one game, they play the schedule they're playing in the SEC. Yeah, I, I just don't imagine Alabama's going to have a trouble being left out. Maybe a, maybe, maybe a 13-1 Ole Miss team might get left out, but I don't imagine an Alabama team will. Well, 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 Political corruption. Hey guys, I, I talked about this before you got here. One, I just need a comment. What do you think about Phil? So I don't know if you read Phil Steele's magazine, but he did his rankings again. Texas is like number sixteen, Trey. What do you think about the Texas Longhorns getting love up in the top sixteen of the preseason top twenty-five? Well, there's a couple of polls that I've seen that have UCLA number one, and have Texas ranked, and Florida ranked, and all this kind of this kind of stuff. I mean, I'll tell you what, Tarvin. The one team that I can see in all the things that you guys are talking about being legitimately in the top 25 is a sort of a almost like a sleeper pick is Florida, who I think is going to be a much improved with Roper as their offensive coordinator, and I think Driscoll will be better. Uh, yep. But yeah, Texas in the top 25, no thank you. UCLA number one in the country, no thank you. <laughs> or Oklahoma, number one. Jonathan, what do you think about Texas yeah. being ranked up that high? What have they done to deserve that ranking besides have the name Texas? Look, Phil Steele, I respect the man's opinion, but at the same time, I look at that poll. He has Georgia, number eight. He has Texas yeah. at 16, North Carolina at 17. If I'm not mistaken, he has Ole Miss at 13. So Phil Steele, I I I like you. I I I, I honestly kind of respect your opinion, but I look at his preseason polls and kind of shake my head at this point because it's it's gotten a little ridiculous. Yeah, and you know he he put Auburn at six, and the reason he he put them at six, Cuervo said Texas at sixteen. What a joke! I'm glad we all agree on that. Uh, but you know he put Auburn at six, I believe, and he said it's not because they're not one of the best teams in the country; it's because of their schedule. I thought preseason rankings was who are the best teams coming into the spring because some people do it different. Trey, like you said, you see all these different polls. If you look at Auburn's schedule, it's tough. But how do you know Auburn has a very tough schedule, Trey? How do you know it's the fifth in the country? We we don't know how these teams are going to pan out. That's the problem I have with preseason rankings. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you completely on that. I mean, I, I rank it as, as I see um, the teams overall. And, I, and that's why I have teams that I think are going to be very good this year that I would rank higher than, like, say, Texas. I think Louisville is going to be ranked by the end of the year. I think they're going to be a very good team under Petrino. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I don't buy into Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss will be good, 7-4 uh, and four type thing. Uh, but I think Auburn's going to be fine. They play a tough schedule. I think at the end of the year, in that Iron Bowl, we're going to be looking at another massive game because Auburn's that good. I think they're they're that good. I mean, could they lose games? Yeah. But I'm going to yeah. have them in my top five right now. Yeah, and I have them up there, and I look at a quarterback coming back. 
the guy that was just on campus five weeks and every week got a lot better looking at how they improved. They did lose a lot. And, Jonathan, one question before we go about my Tigers. I think people, they forget about Jay Prosh, the, the fullback, the one that if you look at some big runs Auburn had last year, they lost Jay Prosh. He was a big part of those runs. Are they going to struggle without him, or will Gus Malzahn find a way to get around it? Well, as somebody who played fullback in high school, I can tell you that we are very important uh, uh, when it comes to the running game. Uh, but uh, realistically, Auburn lost Jay and they lost Trey. So, they're, you know, they're, they're, it's a whole new backfield. Uh, and I know there's a lot of talent at running back. Fullback is very important. Uh, at Florida State, that's one thing we always stress and we're really worried about going into last year was how is Chad Abram going to pick up the slack uh, now that Lonnie Pryor is leaving? And now that Chad Abram's gone, who's going to pick up the slack for him? That's one of the things you always worry about. It's a, it's a position that the NFL doesn't really care for too much anymore and that most the, the average college football fans pay attention. But fullbacks are very important to a running football game. Now, Auburn, I think, without a fullback will be fine, um, a traditional fullback, because that's going to be a wide-open offense. You're going to see speed all over that field. They're probably going to go with a set like the Carolina Panthers would with Jonathan Stewart and D'Angelo Williams when they were healthy. And I'm hoping, but I, I'm just so ready for college. But, you know, the NFL is going to be so huge this year. And, and you know, we're not even out of NBA yet. And, Trey, I want to talk to you. We're leaving, I swear, in just two minutes. The NBA play or the uh, draft's coming up this week. Carmelo Anthony has opted out. He's not going to be with New York, it looks like. Is Carmelo going to go to the Miami Heat? Or, or where do you think he's going to end up? I think he ends up in Chicago, um, but I think the Heat have a lot of ground they can make up. Um, but there's no way he winds up in Miami until LeBron is his back. Uh, so, I mean, uh, those are the two destinations I think Melo winds up. I think he'll flirt with the Lakers, he'll flirt with the Mavericks, uh, but I don't think Melo wants anything to do with the Western Conference. Jonathan, is there any way LeBron leaves Miami and he, and he goes back to Cleveland or somewhere? Do you think that Miami is going to be able to build a team around him. I think if you bring Carmelo into Miami, it's going to be catastrophic at the damage it's going to do. You can't have four superstars coexist together and expect them to play well. Where do you see LeBron going? Honestly, if you guys gave me in half an hour, I would go over this agency, the, the funness that's about to happen. Uh, not only the free agency, but with, with, the, with the upcoming draft decisions that are going to be based off of what teams are thinking. But what you have to look at is, you know, it's not just, you know, we're talking about LeBron teams that have cap space and realistically can sign him. We're talking about Orlando. You're talking about Chicago. You're talking about Cleveland. You're talking about Philly. You're talking about Houston. You're talking about Dallas. I mean, I, I, Dallas, uh, the Lakers. Let's not forget the Lakers here. Where Does LeBron want to go in and know he's going to succeed Kobe and play a year with Kobe Bryant or play two years with Kobe and see what, 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 what it is, what it's like, what happens? You know, and Carmelo, it's huge because Carmelo can really do a lot of things. Now, the 76ers, are they ready to compete this year? No, so you're probably not going to see Carmelo LeBron. But the 76ers are in great draft position with the number three and the number ten pick. You have Nerlens Noel, Michael Carter-Williams. So they're actually in a really good position. But, you know, Cleveland right now, people still aren't sure, is can LeBron make them a championship team or can Carmelo make them a championship team? Uh, Carmelo could honestly probably make Chicago push them over the top. Uh, I, I have complete faith in that. Now, what I'm looking at in Miami, though, is how are they going to handle a rebuild? Because Wade's career is pretty much done as being a superstar. Uh, he needs to split yep. time with someone. 
Bosch is a role player. He's a complimentary player. He's not a star. So LeBron has to look at it and say, well, you know, if I take a pay cut and Wade takes a pay cut and Bosch takes a pay cut, we need to bring in pieces that can help us. Not Ray Allen, Richard Lewis, Greg Oden, you know, Mario Summers, Norris Cole. We need to bring in actual pieces uh, like J.J. Reddick and Kyle Lowry who can come in and be productive and we're paying them four or five million a year whereas we can bring in a bunch of guys on minimum contracts. What's the point in that? Well, Jonathan, Wednesday night, if you want, if you can join us Wednesday, I don't know how, what your schedule looks like, we will go over this free agent talk, the draft. Are you are you up for that, Trey? Are you going to be able to join us? Uh, I'll check my calendar, buddy, I, but I think I'll be here. I'll okay. be here. All right, we're going to talk. Remember, we're live on MTR Radio. We're going to get a lot of new listeners from the Northeast. We need to show these Yankees what it's about you know, when it comes to talking sports. So I'm sure we're going to get a lot of feedback and everything. But we'll we'll devote 30 minutes at least to the to the NBA uh, upcoming draft and free agency. Jonathan, you get your wish, buddy. I love it. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Well, Trey, no, if only you'll John, talk hockey. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know about that. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. When Trey starts talking hockey, we'll do it, okay? <laughs> Come on, Trey. Educate yourself. Let's go here. <laughs> and soccer. And and soccer. When when Trey gives me the World Cup breakdown right now, you know, we'll do it. But I want to thank Ethan Booker for coming on the show. Student, a senior at Ole Miss, uh, part of the Colonel Reb Foundation for joining us. Spread the word out there, guys. Let's get Colonel Reb back on that sideline. You know, when I go visit Oxford, I want to see Colonel Reb. So I'm not going back to Colonel Reb's there. But Wednesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, we'll be live. So, guys, note the time change. 9 p.m. Eastern, we'll be live on Block Talk Radio and MTR Media. Thanks again, guys, for joining us. Have a great week. All right, y'all too.